0: The Truth News Network.
1: When the fix is in, you know it. What you don't know is when the fix went in. A government built on corruption doesn't form out of thin air. It takes a long time to form, takes a long time to get here, and what you see is only 10% of it. Corruption is built on lies, and to see the depth, you need a lot of truth. This is TNN. The Network. And to reveal that iceberg is Dan Newman. Just think about this. If we've only seen 10% of it, just imagine how ugly the 100% must be. Wow, that's a negative way to start a Wednesday, huh? (laughs) Good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live. I'm glad you you chose to join us here today. You got a lot of options. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world around us that... uh, uh, important things, by the way, that can cause us to divert our attention. And you chose to be here. That's important to us. It's important to me. I hope the front half of your week has been good. Hope the second half is going to be better. And um, the glass needs to be half full. So I encourage you to start your 2022 by looking at everything from the top down, the positive down. What's good about it before we concentrate just on the bad stuff? How about that? Well, we've got a special guest that's going to be here tomorrow morning, a gentleman named Steve Baker. Let me just give you a quick skinny. He's going to join us in just a couple of minutes to give us just a little snippet of what we're going to be speaking about. But Steve Baker is a Shreveport, Louisiana native. Um, Our paths crossed years ago. He's a drummer. And I'm a musician. We both were and are Christians and involved in Christian music. And uh, he got into journalism. He lives in the D.C. area. Pretty much he's up there all the time. And he's got a YouTube show that he does. We'll talk more about that. But he was in Washington, D.C., right in the middle of the January 6th debacle that took place a year ago. He was there as a journalist. He, of course, is just like everybody that was there, is accused of being a MAGA supporter and an insurrectionist. Well, there was no insurrection. Listen to this, folks. If they went there, they being the people that were all there and were literally part of an insurrection or a coup as they're being accused of it, they're really poor at what they were doing and they were stupid to go the way they went. Nobody was armed. There were no guns there. And still today we hear that five people were killed that day. Listen to what I'm about to say. One person was killed. One. One person was killed that day. There were several that died that day of natural causes. The one person that was killed was shot. Ashley Babbitt is her name. She was a private citizen, was there to demonstrate And she was shot from behind in the left side of her neck by a Capitol Hill policeman. He had no justification for doing it. In fact, the uh, medical examiner in Washington, D.C. listed her official cause of death as homicide. She didn't have a weapon. She wasn't trying to hurt anybody. And she didn't even know this Capitol cop was behind her. It was a demonstration, but there were a lot of other people that were part of it. Steve Baker is in trouble because he wrote about that. I was with him just two weeks after the January 6th insurrection happened, and he just broke it down to me, all the things that he saw. You don't want to miss him being here tomorrow. As a matter of fact, the DOJ put the word out, and his attorney notified him. They're considering, in fact, they say it's not if they're going to charge him. And arrest him. It's when. You don't want to miss this show tomorrow. He'll be with us at nine o'clock sharp central time tomorrow. We're going to hear a little bit more about it, just two or three minutes with him in just a few minutes. So I want to introduce him to you and let you get the feel, the sense of what's going on. So what else is going on in the world today? I know it'll shock you (laughs) that there's so much more going on than we can even imagine. And we try to pick the best things. And when I, when I say the best things, what that means here is the most important things to discuss. And remember, remember this, what we just mentioned, the January 6th insurrection last year, what it's all about is what many on the left and even a handful of Republicans are calling and have been calling it the big lie, the big lie. What's the big lie? Donald Trump, of course, spoke it. The election was stolen. And you know what, folks? Listen to what I'm about to say. I'm part of the big lie. I believe the election was stolen, not by a person or just a couple of people, but by around the nation, state people, not state legislatures, but governors and secretaries of state that were over all election operations within their state, they, it's been proven, they changed voting laws that according to the United States Constitution must be passed regarding this structure in each of the 50 states about how those elections are supposed to run. Nobody but those legislatures have legal authority to change those election processes. In at least five states, They did, very publicly, governors and secretaries of state. All that being said, it's the big lie if you think the voting results were not accurate. Folks, there are hundreds of cases, election fraud cases, around the nation that have already been resolved. People have pled guilty. There are people today in jail for their participation in voter fraud during that election, November 3rd. In 2020, but the media, they want to ignore it. If anybody talks about it, you're part of the big lie. But guess what came out yesterday? Listen to this. Georgia authorities have launched already an investigation into an allegation of systematic ballot harvesting during Georgia's 2020 general election and subsequent U.S. Senate runoff. Remember that after the general election, there was a runoff a month later and may soon issue subpoenas to secure some evidence. That's according to Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. Georgia law. Now, you know what voter harvesting is. It's a tactic that uh, liberal organizations have tried to get legalized in many battleground states with no success. The U.S. Supreme Court this summer rejected Democrat efforts to overturn an Arizona law that outlaws harvesting in the battleground state. So what is it? Well, it's a process of where partisan hacks, usually they're from the left, not for profits that are motivated and organized to do this. They take paper ballots to people that are indigent or they're too sick to go to the polls themselves or whatever. They find these people and they go into the guys that we're going to help them express their voting choices. And so they go in there or they contact them and say, look, we we want to help you vote this time. And we're going to fix it so you don't even have to go vote yourself. Here's what we'll do. Have you got your ballot in the mail? If they say yes, they say, okay, great. We'll help you fill it out. And then we'll go put it in the ballot box for you. In other words, they're out there harvesting votes. This is what this investigation is about. And it is unbelievable how deep it is. What is exactly going on in Georgia? According to interviews and documents reviewed, Secretary of State Raffensberger's office received a detailed complaint from a conservative voter integrity group, True the Vote, on the last day of November, saying it has assembled evidence that scores of activists worked with a bunch of nonprofit groups to collect and deliver thousands of absentee ballots, often during wee hour operations, and where did they deliver them? To temporary voting drop boxes distributed around the state during the pandemic. This group informed Raffisburgers. Its evidence includes video footage from surveillance cameras placed by counties outside drop boxes, as well as geolocation data for the cell phones of more than 200 activists who were seen on the tapes showing the dates and times of ballot drop-offs. The group also says it interviewed a, a Georgia man who admitted he was paid thousands of dollars to harvest ballots in the Atlanta metropolitan area, during the election, and the lead-up to January 5th, the runoff. That was all captured by Democrats, and it ended GOP Congress' control. The group has yet to identify the cooperating witness to state authorities referring to him in the complaint simply as John Doe. The group does not allege ballots delivered by couriers were fraudulent, but nevertheless, lawful ballots delivered by third parties to drop boxes is against the law. Raffensberger, he confirmed in an interview that his office has deemed the allegations credible enough to open an investigation and to possibly seek subpoenas from the state election board to secure that evidence. We do have some information, he said, and we're going to investigate that. We did deploy drop boxes that were under 24-7 surveillance And because they were then, that really, you know, can indicate who dropped that information off. And we're just going to go through that. Catherine Engelbrecht, who was the longtime head of this not-for-profit True the Vote, she didn't want to comment about it, saying she wants to let the Georgia investigation run its course. The Secretary of State's office did not review the video footage from the drop boxes after the election, but a statistical analysis from the federally funded research group MITRE Labs found, quote, no suspicious indicators of ballot harvesting. Federally funded research center MITRE Labs. That said, the allegation a specific individual engaged in illegal ballot harvesting warrants investigation. If people give us You know, credible allegations, Raffensperger said. We want to make sure that we do that. And we have that right now as an outgoing, ongoing investigation. Raffensperger said his office is considering asking the state election board to issue subpoenas to secure evidence such as the names of suspected ballot harvesters. That'll be one of the processes we're looking at if we have people that don't want to come forward for whatever reason because we really need to get to the bottom. We just can't let it sit there and lie. So if it comes to that, then that's probably the next step that we're looking at. So this comes after about a year after the Secretary rebuffed Trump's claims of widespread fraud in that November election And he declared on 60 Minutes that Georgia had a mostly secure and fair election. And of course, there have been multiple headline-grabbing allegations made by Trump advocates in Georgia in those frenzied days after the November election. A lot of them have been dismissed after investigations. We don't know the results. We don't know what happened in these investigations. Just somebody at the top, maybe somebody from Raffenberger's own office, just said, ah, there's no there there. Claims were made that thousands of dead voters cast ballots, but a final tally found only four ballots statewide were cast in the names of deceased. Also, video footage surfaced that led to some claim of suitcases of fake ballots pulled out from under a table in the Atlanta Vote Counting Center. In fact, we're told the ballots were lawful absentee ballots cast by Real voters. Raftenberger's office, however, has admitted vote counting in the state's largest county of Fulton. That's where Atlanta is. Suffered from widespread mismanagement and irregularities in 2020 and for many years earlier, though the problems were not widespread enough to overcome Biden's 12,000 vote margin of victory. I'm going to stop right there and just ask you this. If you're one of those people that says, well, you know, Biden won by 12,000 votes, and the most we can even realistically speculate that were illegal, that were not cast legally, couldn't overcome a 12,000 vote margin of victory for Biden. So why even go through the process? Let me ask you this How much election fraud is okay with you? If you're a voter in the state of Alabama, wouldn't you like to know that every vote that you make for local, state, and federal elections, every one of those that you vote, that your vote counted? So, is it okay for yours not to count? Is it okay for yours and, say, 100 a, a of your friends their votes don't count now what do you mean Dan the votes don't count well if you count one fraudulent vote that cancels one legally cast vote if you if you count 500 fraudulent votes those negate 500 legal votes you get where I'm going with this so what's the number that it's okay for you acceptable well I guess if you're a Democrat, and you're an honest Democrat, you would say, well, Biden won by 12,000. I would say, I'm okay with fraudulent votes up to 11,999. One more than that, oh, that's unacceptable. If you're going to have integrity in the election process, don't you think our people that we elect and put in charge of managing these things, they should make certain that What they are getting paid to do is being done, especially regarding voting. And folks, let me just say this, and I'm going to, I'm going to wave a wide brush through this right now and just say this, I'm a realist. Some people will, who have known me a long time will say, no, 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 you're a pie-in-the-sky kind of God. I dream. I do. I always have. I have big plans. I always have. But I'm a realist when it comes to facts. If there's voter fraud over here, if any of the 600 cases, 600 cases of voter fraud in Texas, if one of them really happened, that's too many. And I don't care if it is about one fraudulent vote or 100,000 fraudulent votes. Not one vote of fraudulently cast vote, not one of those should be counted. Well, I mean, we we had 200 people. We actually had 170 million people that voted, if you trust the numbers that we were given. We can't cover all of those, but we can just make sure the process is okay. Let me tell you where on earth the best, the absolute best and fail-safe voter process is happening right now. Afghanistan. You probably just went, what? Afghanistan of all places? That's one of the most backward Countries on the planet, those people, they're not honest at all. Let me tell you how I know they are when it comes to voting. Do you know what every voter that votes has to do? They have to vote in person. They have to prove who they are when they go in to vote. And here's the best part. When you go into the ballot box, you cast your vote before you go in They make you dip your index finger on your right hand into a jar of permanent ink, purple ink, and you can't get it off without rubbing your skin off, so they know you're going to vote, but only one time. That seems too simple. We're one of the most, if not the most advanced nation on the planet. We've got this. We can get our arms around this. Well, we're not getting our arms around it. We know there's tons of voter fraud going on, and none of it is acceptable according to the United States Constitution and the rule of law. We played here, I guess day before yesterday, we played an audio of one guy going to Berkeley, California, University of California, Berkeley, probably the most liberal university on the planet. And to ask people who we just went through the campus asking people what they think about voter ID. That's the latest Democrat talking point. It's racist. It is racist for you to demand anybody present an ID to vote. It just makes absolutely no sense in American life. And here's what I don't understand. It's kind of like the emperor that got busted for not wearing any clothes. You know that story. Had this one emperor, he and his wife, they loved to get tailored clothes. They had their own tailor, and they got only the finest of everything. And they would brag about their clothes. So through a period of years doing this, the emperor said, he went to the tailor and he said, I want the finest the very finest that you can put together for me and my wife. And the tailor who had been doing this for years, he said, yes, sir. And when he left, when they left, the tailor just thought, I'm tired of this. I'm going to, I'm just going to smoke them. So when they came back after he supposedly had created these fine clothes, he acted like he was fitting the emperor with cloth and he raved about what it looked like. The emperor looked down and he said, basically he said, There's nothing there. There's no clothes there. I'm butt naked. And the tailor said, oh, no, 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 no. He said, you don't understand. This cloth is so fine. Only highly educated, very elite people have the ability to even see it. Hmm, he thought. The emperor said, this is fantastic. So every time they got a new suit or whatever, the emperor and his wife would do a parade. And so they did a parade wearing their quote-unquote new clothes. And so while they're going down the street in the parade and everybody's applauding and, oh, my gosh, look how beautiful they are or whatever, one little boy just hollered out, the emperor's naked. (laughs) The fact is the guy had on no clothes. The left on this voter ID thing, they feel like they've got enough people convinced that voter ID is racist, that they can get it changed and make it okay to just allow anybody to vote. I can come in and tell you my name is George Goebel, and I can tell you my name is Tom Watson. Who are you to question me? I don't have to show voter ID and prove who I am. I mean, it is that ridiculous. We're going to take a break in just a second. I'll tell you what I'll do. If you weren't here a couple of days ago, you didn't hear this. It's real short, but it speaks volumes. Did you know that 81% of African-American people, those that are supposed to be discriminated against because they can't vote, they don't have a voter ID, 81% of African-Americans, they say point blank, they want voter ID to be required for anybody to cast a vote in our elections. Yet the left are out there and they're screaming and hollering. Kamala Harris, the vice president. Oh, we've got to straighten this up. This is the most important issue in, our, in this century. Voter fraud, voter suppression, keeping people from casting their votes. It's absolutely insane. That and more. Right after this, grab an ice cold can of Celsius and stay active and energized all day. Celsius is better for you energy, made with premium ingredients zero sugar and seven essential vitamins, with no high fructose corn syrup, no aspartame, no preservatives, and no artificial colors or flavors. Celsius is just the essential energy you need to keep you fueled and
0: active all day. Celsius, essential energy, live fit. Now find Celsius at Celsius.com or a retailer near you. Howdy, the streamer here. You know there's a place down yonder where three streams converge into one. It's where I saw the Mandalorian get himself into a space squabble. Watch me some UFC. And those folks from Modern Family had me cackling like a trout getting tickled. Well that's the Disney Bundle for you. It lets you stream Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus for only $13.99 a month. The Disney Bundle. It's streaming at its best. Includes Hulu ad-supported plan. Access content from each service separately. Terms apply. Visit thedisneybundle.com for details. It's mycomputercareer.edu. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents A Word From Your Wallet.
2: Typically, pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the. Uh,
0: uh, uh, uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years money saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today.
1: Voter fraud. Voter fraud everywhere. How many states had it? I will promise you this. Each of the 50 states had some degree of voter fraud in 2020. And to be honest with you, I think it's almost absolute that there is voter fraud in every election. Voter ID, people having to vote in person, that would take care, if not all of it, most of it. I told you about this guy. Ami Horowitz is his name. He went to Berkeley first, and then he went to suburban Manhattan, Harlem, folks, where almost all the population is African-American, and talked to different people about their sense and their feeling about voter ID. Is it racist to require that or not? The first segment you hear, he's on the campus of Berkeley, University of California at Berkeley. Very liberal, hard-left school. Every person he interviewed was white. And then he went to Harlem. Listen to the differences and listen to what they all say.
3: I'm Ami Horowitz, and I'm here in Berkeley, California, to find out if voter ID laws suppress the black vote. Do you have an opinion on voter ID laws? Uh, yeah, they're
2: usually pretty racist and <laughs> they're bad.
3: I think voter ID laws are a way to perpetuate racism. Would you say they're, would you go as far to say they're, they're, those laws are racist? For sure. Do you think it suppresses the uh, African American vote? Definitely. Uh, because they're less likely to have state IDs. Minority voters are less likely to have the kinds of IDs that have been um, described or required. These type of people don't live in Areas with easy access to DMVs or other places where they can get identification. You can always get IDs. um, You do it over the internet that also would make it difficult for for black people in particular yeah you have to have access to the internet you have to be able to pay an internet service provider for certain fees do you think that's harder for black people to go online well I feel like they don't have the knowledge of how of like how it works a lot of people have smartphones but you might not have data for most of the communities they don't really know what is out there just because they're not aware or like they're not informed I
4: also think there's a repression of like black voting with um, how they how if you're a convicted felon like you're not allowed to vote and everything and when you look at swing states like Florida that's a huge population of the of the like African Americans
3: now I'm here in East Harlem to ask black people their thoughts on what you just heard do you have ID normally you carry ID on? yes I have state ID do you carry ID yes I do do you know anybody who any black person who doesn't carry ID no everyone that I know has an ID why would they think we don't have ID <laughs> That's a lie. Why would
4: they say that? Do you have ID? Yes. Because I have my ID and my friends have their ID, so we know what we need to carry around. Everybody that I know have ID. Like, that's one of the things you need to walk around
2: with New York with, uh, ID.
3: Do you know any black adult who does not have ID? No, I don't. Is it a weird thing to even say that? Yes, it is.
1: What is this? some some type of uh, trick candy cameras? I like know, that? right? That's the only thing I brought with me. Legit, yeah. Those are
3: legit IDs. I heard a lot also that uh, black people can't figure out how to get to the DMV. Really?
2: Is that is
4: that was that saying to you? I know it's that on 25th Street.
3: Do you know where the ID the, the DMV is, right? You?
4: It's on 125th Street and Third you know, Avenue, I believe. You know how to get there? Yeah.
3: Do you have a problem getting there if you have to get there? I know these sound like silly questions. You know how to get the AV? Of course. You know where it is? Yeah. You can get there? Uh huh. No problem. No problem. Just checking. Okay. And I also heard a lot that black people, especially poor black people, have no access to the internet, can't figure out how to use the internet. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's just stupidity, honestly. Everybody has access to the internet. Even a little kid can figure out how to work the internet. I had access to the internet for years. Know how to use it properly. Exactly. Right? I do it at work, so of course I know how to use Smart. it. My kids know how to use it. They all have iPads, iPods, whatever. Your phone has data. Mhm. You can actually unlimited. It unlimited data. Mhm. I use my phone as a hotspot. What does that say to you for the people who have this perception of like?
0: Um, mm. uh, they're pretty much ignorant.
4: That's why my thought process are.
3: I just think that's ignorant. 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 That's the Very word I'm very a lot. ignorant. ignorant. It's very very ignorant. Does it sound racist for somebody to say that? I, I think it is a little racist because you know you're putting um, people in a category and you have no idea what you're talking about.
4: Maybe a little bit of racist in it, but like I said, I think it's more stupidity and ignorance.
2: Judging somebody like, but you're judging them because they black, saying that they don't got it.
3: What people are they talking to? What are who are these people talking to? Do you have a problem that if you go to vote, and they say, could we please see your ID to make sure you are who you say you are? I are you love cool? showing my ID. You have no problem with that? Nope. Would you have a problem if, when you go to vote, if they say, could we please just see your ID to make sure you are who you say you are? Do you have an issue with that? No. Would you have a problem if there was a rule where you had to show your ID in order to vote? I don't think so, no. Would you have an issue if there was a rule saying you got to show your ID before you vote?
1: No. You cool with that? Yeah. You heard it, folks. White folks at Berkeley, every one of them, voter ID is racist. African-Americans, every one of them in Harlem. In fact, Tommy Horowitz said outside of that interview, he said he, he, he spoke with at least 40 more African-American people in Harlem. Not one, not one felt like a requirement of a voter ID to vote is racist and that everybody should do it. In fact... Many of them said actually somebody saying that minority members, black, Hispanic, Asian, whoever, that they can't get voter ID, that in itself is racist. So what, what could this what could be the purpose for all of this craziness about this voter suppression? Well, the biggest piece of legislation that may be considered in the Senate is that voter law. And the voter law is technically, it's devised for doing one thing, and that is to take the entire election process away from the 50 states and bring it to Washington, D.C. to be managed at the federal level. And, of course, if that ever happens, which, by the way, would be unconstitutional, the Constitution plainly states that, All federal election is to be handled at the 50 individual states. But even if they found a way to go around doing it with a real legitimate constitutional amendment, it would never pass muster. But if they did, if they did, it's only this cry, this scream, this holler to get that law passed is only to make sure, because included in it, there's a path to citizenship immediately for illegals coming into the country and for citizenship to get them the right to be able to vote immediately. Now the Democrat party and the members of the party are the ones that are pushing this so desperately. So what could be the underlying hidden purpose for this big push for this? Well, you know what it is to establish the Democrat party and giving it permanent control Of the nation. And the only way they can do it is to get Americans, they're trying hard to forget about the constitutional structure of elections. And what they've weaponized is that term, voter ID is racist. They've been using it for years. It hasn't worked because Americans aren't stupid. (laughs) We're not stupid. We've We recognize evil. We recognize illegal partisan things that are being done and trying to be done in the name of fairness and that E word, not equality, the one they're using now, that's equity, which is not the same thing. Don't ever let anybody convince you that equity means the same thing as equality. In fact, our forefathers got that right. They used equality, equal They use that in the founding documents, not the U.S. Constitution per se, but in the founding documents that the government of this nation is supposed to be equal and fair for everybody, and that we, Americans, all of our rights were not given to us by any government, but were given to us by the creator, and therefore all people were created equal. They want to change that. They don't want anything to be equal. They want equity. Equity can be adjusted and manipulated by people. Equality can't. Equality is absolute. Wow. There's so many things to so many things to talk about today. We've got a pandemic going on. And according to Joe Biden, he's still pounding the podium. It's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And, of course, you know that's fallen to the wayside, even though he continues to go down that road. For months, he has characterized this continued spread. Now in the um, Omicron strain, he's called it a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Repeatedly claimed that vaccinated people cannot spread the virus. Well, that contradicts what his own CDC has been saying since April of last year. Here it is, Joe. This is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. He was on a TV station, a local station in Ohio. The unvaccinated, not the vaccinated, the unvaccinated. That's the problem. Everybody talks about freedom, not to have a shot or to have a test. Well, guess what he said? How about patriotism? How about making sure that you're vaccinated so you do not spread the disease to anyone else? But the CDC has been warning about breakthrough COVID infections for the better part of 2021. And they issued an update in April that said, quote, People can still get sick and possibly spread COVID-19 to others after being fully vaccinated. During the outbreak of the first big variant, Delta, over the summer, the CDC updated its guidance for fully vaccinated people. They're changing the narrative as they go along to make it fit their particular purposes, saying they should wear masks in crowded indoor areas because of the high transmissibility of the Delta variant. Well, while the vaccines can prevent, they can prevent severe illness, or so we're told. Also, hospitalizations and death, breakthrough infections still can and do occur. This is a quote, infections in fully vaccinated people, they're calling them breakthrough infections, happen in only a small proportion of people who are fully vaccinated, even with the Delta variant. That was in July. However, preliminary evidence suggests fully vax people who do become infected with the Delta variant can be infectious and can spread the virus to others. Same is true, or maybe even more so, with the Omicron variant, which is even more transmissible than the Delta variant is. an ABC News analysis last month, the federal and state data revealed there's been an acceleration of the number of breakthrough coronavirus cases since July. What else has happened in a great way since July? More and more and more and more vaccinations. You think there may be a, there may be a line between those two things? The CDC expects that anyone with the Omicron infection can spread the virus to others, even if they're vaxxed or even if they don't have any symptoms. Isn't it atrocious that the CDC would actually release that? That was a quote. CDC expects that anyone with Omicron infection can spread the virus to others, even if they're vaccinated or don't have the symptoms. The CDC did not tell us. These are the consummate medical professionals, the experts. We are told all the time, listen to exactly what they say to do. Don't do anything outside the parameters of the instructions given to us by the CDC. And the CDC actually released this. CDC expects, if they were really experts about this, they have access to exhaustive laboratory investigation and studies. They can initiate them internally. They don't have anybody doing research about these things. They're not able to give us factual information. Or maybe they are able and they just don't. It's a travesty for the number one agency over all Americans' health care, every part of the healthcare system, to actually tell us basically we don't know, but we think that anyone with Omicron infection can spread the virus to others even if they're vaccinated or even if they don't have any symptoms. This is not a pandemic of the vaccinated. Did you know that in the most vaccinated country on the planet, Israel, 90% plus in Israel are vaccinated, double vaxxed and boosted. Their hospitals are full of people that are sick with COVID-19. A massive majority of those there are fully vaxxed and fully boosted, breakthrough infections among the vaccinated. It's not a pandemic of the unvaccinated. It's a coronavirus pandemic, period. And here, folks, the daily number of cases, new cases that are being identified, it's about a million every day now, despite the Biden administration's vaccination push as this Omicron variant keeps spreading in the country. A total of 978,000 new cases were reported Monday. That's one day. Last week, the U.S. recorded an average daily number of 486,000 new cases, and that pushed the hospitalizations by nearly 50%, now to 100,000 patients. Now, that's a big number, 100,000, folks, but in a, a nation with 330 million people, it's really not. But that number hasn't been seen since the winter surge a year ago. The average number of deaths... They haven't changed. It's about 1,300 across the nation a day, which has been steady throughout December and into early January. But the death numbers lag behind cases and hospitalizations. Remember that. Since last month, December 1st, the fast spreading of the highly contagious Omicron has led to a renewed spike in COVID cases and hospitalizations nationwide though the president has ramped up his vaccination programs and his vaccine mandates. The Omicron variant is estimated to account for 95.4% of the cases that have been identified as of January 1st. Reuters data shows that the Biden administration has administered 73.3% of the population with at least one vaccine shot by December 31st. Yesterday, the White House said it is finalizing contracts for 500 million rapid COVID-19 tests that it plans to distribute for free to Americans to help alleviate a testing crunch that has led to inadequate supplies in many places. Biden administration also doubled its order of Pfizer's antiviral pills to a total of 20 million treatment courses. Health officials in the administration have insisted that COVID-19 vaccines and boosters remain the best way to avoid serious illness. And you know what I say? That's their story and they're sticking to it. But folks, the science doesn't verify that to be truthful. And yet, they double down. They triple down. They quadruple down on all of the talking points. Let me just throw you out a couple of opinions, and these are my opinions. First of all, I think the, the case count is full of bad testing data. I, I Local stories, my, my uh, brother-in-law and sister-in-law, both of them vaccinated, double boosted. Both of them have had COVID-19. My brother-in-law got sick over the weekend, and he's got COVID-19 again. Breakthrough case of COVID-19. That's just one story. It's happening all across the nation. It's happening all across the world. Bottom line, our healthcare officials and experts, they don't have their arms around this thing. I'm not trying to scare you to death, because there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not a train. It's called the truth. We're finding out more and more every day that we've been being lied to since the beginning of this thing by people who knew when they told us what they told us, they were lying. And the worst part of that whole thing is that these people that have the bully pulpit, they're in front of us every day, White House briefings, interviews on national television. They have access to the truth. And yet they continue to beat the drum of vaccinate, vaccinate, mask up, mask up, social distance, close schools now, start closing companies, making people, if you want to get a job, if you want to eat, if you want to get a haircut, if you want to go to a Broadway musical, if you want to walk down the sidewalk, you must be vaccinated. Here's what I suggest you do, my opinion. I suggest you start there at what I just said. They want everybody to be vaccinated. Don't end up there. Start there and then begin to examine the possible reasons for them adopting that and driving it into the minds of Americans 24-7, 365. You've got to be vaxxed. You've got to be vaxxed. Well, if you read our story yesterday, one of the big reasons is dollars and cents. Hospitals across America in the last year got filthy rich from the federal government and from coronavirus treatment. It's a fact, folks. They got rich. Guess who else got filthy rich if they weren't already? The drug companies from whom the federal government is buying hundreds of millions of vaccines. They're filthy rich. Does any of that ring a bell with you? Does any of that mean anything to you? Does it give you pause and entice you to ask more questions and not just settle? I saw an interview with Dr. Robert Malone. I guess it, today's Wednesday, must have been Monday. And it was just a little, a brief interview. And it was talking primarily about how he's been banned from YouTube now. Now, who is Robert Malone? He's the guy that invented mRNA, that whole process. The fundamental basis that was used to make two of these three vaccines, both the Moderna and the Pfizer or mRNA vaccines. The J&J is not. Johnson & Johnson's isn't. But I only point that out about Dr. Malone because he's kind of a knowledgeable guy. Don't you think? He would be the go-to guy if I had any questions about the constituents of the matter within mRNA medications. I mean, I would start there. He, He invented the whole process. But you know what he said? First of all, don't take any of these mRNA vaccines. What you're hearing is not factual. Now that's coming from a guy that knows. That's not coming from Anthony Fauci, who says he knows. It's not coming from Joe Biden at the White House, who a guy that is only the only accomplishment he can ever say he was a lifeguard in a minority an almost 100% minority swimming pool in Maryland when he was a teenager. That was his first job. His second job, Congress. His third job, vice president. His fourth job, president of the United States. So he's heard a lot, he's seen a lot, but he doesn't know a lot about everything. He tells us he knows everything that you need to know to make any decisions about COVID-19. And you know what he knows that you don't know, but you've got to swallow because he says it? I know more than you do, and he doesn't. He doesn't. He is being told what to tell us, and he tells us again and again and again. I mean, this guy believes in, in voter ID being racist. He believes that. How could anybody, any intelligent human being, say that and maintain it with all of the information that is out there and at everybody's easy disposal to just go grab? When the people that they tell us they're trying to protect, members of the African-American community and other minority ethnicities, those people, Those are who we're trying to protect. We want their votes to count. And you're suppressing votes by forcing them to have voter ID. You can't go to a movie without having voter ID. You can't rent a car. We could, there are hundreds of things you can't do if you don't have voter ID, but it all boils down to this. Everybody has voter ID or has an ID that is sufficient to be considered qualified to prove you have the right to vote just because you breathe and your feet are standing on united states soil doesn't give you the right to vote folks i'm sorry constitutionally that doesn't work yet this guy he hands off all of the all kinds of authority for everything to people that just tell him a good story And then they come back and say, here's the truth, Mr. President, and he gets on camera and he tells us all he is is the mouthpiece of a partisan hackery group of bureaucratic nut jobs that are running the nation today. And if I offended anybody by saying that, I apologize for the offense, but I will not apologize for saying that because facts, evidence, verify Everything that I just said. That's the way it is, folks, and I am sick and tired of anybody and everybody, whoever it is. Give me evidence for what you claim. Don't tell me this is factual unless you've got the proof and you can hand it to me to prove it to me. Real truth. Real news. TNN. The Truth News Network.
0: We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there? Yeah. They can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra $100 off every $9.99 they spend. It's a tough choice. But they've been in there for six hours. I want dinner. Parents, if you're at Pilgrim, please make a decision. Planet Fitness, oh, through the use of ten. motivating ten. montage music, has made it easy to join. Ten. Just remember 10-10-10. Ten, ten, ten. Ten. For 10 days, sign up for $10 and pay just 10, ten bucks a month after that. Ten. Hurry, ten. you only have until November ten. 10th to take advantage of this Planet Fitness ten. offer. Planet Fitness on 42nd (laughs) Street next to Shopko. This is the sound of regular water droplets.
4: This is the sound of vitamin water droplets. Regular Regular water, vitamin water. Regular water, vitamin water. Hey, come on now. Vitamin water. It has vitamins, but also parties. <laughs> the voice we need more than ever. Dan
1: Newman. TNN. The Truth News Network. Oh, calm. <laughs> Thank you, Pete. My blood pressure was getting a little uh, a little high there. Folks, I, I just can't resolve in my mind. I can't comprehend. I just don't understand why this is happening. And I'm like you. We're human. We we want to know the reasons for everything. We don't want to live a life where we're just in the dark and people tell us things and we just have to believe what they're telling us. And every day we're hearing and seeing more and more and more of that from people that we've trusted for many years to give us the truth, and they're not giving us facts. And we're tired of that. Steve Baker is going to be with us tomorrow. And he called just a little bit ago, and we had a chat, just a brief chat about what he's going to bring to you at the 9 o'clock hour, our first hour of the show tomorrow. Steve Baker joins us now, live from Washington, D.C. Steve, you're going to be on the show tomorrow tomorrow, and uh, we'll do it live and we want people to understand the things that you're going through give us the skinny going all the way back to january 6th for the next few minutes and tell us what happened then and why you're in trouble
0: well on january 6th i was in dc specifically to cover the rally and the speeches and what was happening that day uh nobody knew what that day was going to eventually unfold like. And, 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 uh, once the rioting started uh, myself and another writer, we followed the story where the story went. And that story eventually took us inside the Capitol building.
1: Well, you're a journalist. That's what journalists do, right?
0: That's what we're supposed to do.
1: Well, you were doing that. So what, what's coming down the pike now? What are you hearing? We hear all the arrest stories. About 700 people being investigated, many of them arrested, thrown into jail. Is the DOJ coming after you?
0: Yeah, they have They have uh, told us that they are. As a matter of fact, my attorney received an email from uh, the U.S. attorney seven weeks ago saying that I could expect charges within the week, quote-unquote. Yeah. Uh, so one one week to flatten my curve has turned into seven weeks now, <laughs> and we're still waiting to hear from them.
1: Why are they coming after you?
0: Uh, they are uh, accusing me of obviously, first of all, of being in a restricted space without permission. Uh, but there were many journalists that did not have congressional press passes that were inside the building that day. I I can only. Uh, uh, suspect that their reason for coming after me is my narrative is not exactly the same as some of the more mainstream uh, uh, journalists <laughs> reported events that day.
1: You have a website, the Pragmatic Constitutionalist, and I encourage our people, before the interview, you've written exhaustively about January 6th and what happened, and about this very thing.
0: Yeah, I, I go to the com. I have uh, two or three very... Long, exhaustive, um, detailed stories about what I saw that day last year, uh, and then and then there's a, uh, some follow-up stories that provide analysis after the fact. You know, you learn a lot more through hindsight and through just spending time with your own videos because I did frame by frame of hours worth of video that I took.
1: We're going to talk in, <laughs> in detail on Thursday morning when you come back about exactly how this got to where it is, exactly what's happening, and what you're in the, uh, I guess, the sights of the Department of Justice about. We'll do all of that tomorrow morning.
0: Sounds great. Looking forward to it, Dan.
1: Steve Baker, thank you so much, buddy. Thank you. That was uh, about an hour ago. Steve had a few minutes. He was in between interviews. He's actually interviewed today with a French um, television show, a Russian television show. And he, at this very moment, is expecting um, to finalize an appearance with Tucker Carlson on Fox News. We're going we're gonna to be very um, very pleased when you get to hear him elaborate on everything that is going on. And there's a big national story that broke on an international news media this Monday that goes into the facts that he's in trouble for, things that he watched play out on January 6th, a year ago. And he reported on it and he got immediately harassed and he's been just tracked and followed by the FBI and even the CIA, he thinks. It's an interesting thing. And there are a whole lot of things about the January 6th, those 700 people that are really, really evil. People being held, not being allowed to even speak to their lawyers, their family members can't see them, can't meet with them. And no real information. That's not supposed to happen in the United States. But it's happening. So Steve Baker, will be with us the first hour tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock Central Time. Tell somebody to check in. And by the way, if you miss any show here, you've got a several different options to get the show later. At the bottom of Everyday Story, I mean almost immediately after the show goes off, we put a link down there that you can click on it right there and listen to any show also apple podcast spotify podcast google podcast stitcher and iheart podcast all pick the show up immediately and you can go on their websites and get every show not just that day's show so let's move on to some really important things We just told you about Biden bragging yesterday that they just finalized the deal to buy 500 million COVID tests. Why do you think they waited till now to finalize that deal? We reported to you back in October that the Biden administration was approached with an opportunity to buy $500 million test just to get prepared for the winter surge, which is, we've been told, expected of COVID cases. And Biden himself declined to purchase those. I wonder if it had anything to do with the fact of who was selling them. You don't think that there is some underhanded financial stuff happening in the Biden administration, do you, Dan? (laughs) I know it's happening. Nevertheless, Biden wasn't prepared for pretty much anything. He was not prepared to handle the COVID-19 pandemic. He told us again and again, I'm going to kill it. I'm going to murder COVID-19. Speaking of murder, speaking of deaths, you remember all of the testing and all of the vaccines that Donald Trump and his administration were able to put out during his last year of his presidency Oh, man, he had everything in his hands, and he screwed it up, right? He had no vaccines. No vaccines. They were in creation at the time, funded by the Trump administration. And we were told it's going to take years. Fauci told us two to three years to get any kind of credible, tested, and viable vaccine to the American nation. It's going to take two to three years. Nope, less than a year, nine months in the Trump administration and we had vaccines but on Joe Biden's watch even with all the vaccines 200 million people vaccinated 200 million more people died in Joe Biden's first term first year of COVID-19 than died in Trump's year of being president Why is that? We don't know. I think there are some people that know, but I think we're not being told. So on Tuesday's broadcast of The Story, that's on Fox News during the day, Senator Roy Blunt, who's a Republican in Missouri, he wondered with Martha on the show how the federal government can purchase 500 million at-home COVID tests when there are today shortages of the test, and then if the test were available, they'd be on the store shelves right now, rather than waiting somewhere for the federal government to say, hey, we're sending you a check, send us those 500 million tests. So after discussing his letter, inquiring where money Congress allocated for testing went, Blunt said this, I think my other question would be, if the federal government thinks they can buy half a billion at-home tests by the end of this month. Where are those tests now? They're not going to create those tests between now and January 31st, right? You don't have to look very hard to go to a drugstore and find out they're out of those tests. And you'd think if they were available, they'd be on the store shelves today, rather than waiting somewhere for the federal government to buy 500 million of those tests. And so the big circle comes in there. If you ever wonder about purpose for anything sinister, I didn't use, you notice the word evil, anything that smells bad, it seems to be evil. First Timothy, the love of money is the root of all evil, not money. Money. The love of money is the root of all evil. I would not be surprised if we find out that those $500 million tests that the Biden administration tells us, they just cut the deal, finished the contract to get them here. Those were the same ones that they were offered back in October when they said no. I'm going to push hard and dig in. I'm going to find the details of that purchase and I'll bring them to you if and when we can find those. Meanwhile, we got a new study from the CDC, one that we can sink our teeth into, I believe. Most teenagers, they tell us, that have COVID-19 across six major hospitals over the summer, teenagers now, most of them were severely obese. Now, that's according to a published CDC study. Researchers with the agency in children's hospitals, examined data on adolescents who went to the hospital in July or August and had COVID. 713 patients were identified, and of those, approximately two-thirds had one or more underlying medical conditions, with obesity being the most common. Among children 12 to age 13, 61% were obese, Most of them were described as having severe obesity. Among kids age 5 to 11, 34% were obese. Compared with patients without obesity, those with obesity required higher levels and longer duration of care. Those findings are consistent with previous reports and highlight the importance of obesity and other medical conditions as risk factors for severe covid in children and adolescents. That's interesting. That just popped up yesterday, and I thought I'd bring that to you so you'd know about it. You haven't heard much, have you, about the Pentagon, about the military, and about the top-down total 100% vaccine mandates for those serving in the military. Well, DOD officials... They are now being quiet, but they tell us they're reviewing their options after a federal judge this week blocked the military from punishing that group of Navy SEALs. They filed for religious exemptions to the Pentagon's COVID-19 vaccine mandate. You heard about that. And so John Kirby, former admiral, he's the Pentagon spokesman yesterday, he said, we're aware, of course, of the injunction and we're reviewing it and in discussion with the Department of Justice as to what options might be available to us going forward. Kirby declined to comment any further, citing ongoing litigation. That group of Navy SEALs filed the suit late last year, arguing the administration's religious exemption process is a sham because not a single one had been granted to anybody so far. U.S. Judge Reed O'Connor who was nominated by George W. Bush, Bush 41, agreed, no, no, it's not, W is 43, I'm sorry, George W. Bush, H. W. Bush, his dad was 41. Bush 43 agreed, alluding to how the Navy has granted just one religious accommodation request since 2015 and not a single one for the COVID vaccine mandate. The Navy provides a religious accommodation process, but by all accounts, it's theater. The Navy's not granted a single religious exemption in recent memory. It merely rubber stamps each denial. The way the process for adjudicating those requests is set up, the judge added, means the requester denied the moment they began. An appeal would send the case to an appeals court, which would decide whether to uphold the preliminary injunction or to overturn it. And of course, that case with a bunch of other ones is likely gonna end up, guess where? At the United States Supreme Court. So we know that this is not, this is not a pandemic of the unvaccinated, as Joe Biden continues to say. And he said it, folks, again yesterday. I am tired of watching these creepy videos of the president and they're supposed to be somewhere taken in the White House. But you see this fake scene in the background and you know it's a green screen. It's in a studio, makeshift studio or a real studio or maybe in a real room, but it's a green screen behind the president that they superimpose the background they want us to see. Nevertheless, here's President Biden yesterday and again, he's talking about coronavirus and how great a job he and his administration are doing and the cause for it all. Folks. Good
2: hey, everyone. Yeah. Happy New Year.
1: Kamala joined us.
4: The Admiral's in the house. Hi, sir. How are, how are you? you? Well... Since we're more than 10 feet apart, while we're speaking, we're going to take our masks off. Omicron is very transmissible, transmissible variant, but much different than anything we've seen before. And But you can protect yourself. And you should protect yourself, quite frankly. Get vaccinated. Get boosted. There's plenty of booster shots. Wear a mask while you're in public. Because what we know is this, the impact from the rising cases depends on the effect on the person based on whether that person, ha- what their vaccination status is. You can control how big an impact Omicron is gonna have on your health if you get over Omicron. You know, they're, they're, those are fully vaccinated, especially those with the booster shots. And by the way, we have booster shots for the whole nation, okay? We, you can still get COVID, there's no excuse. No excuse for anyone being unvaccinated. This continues to be a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Surround your kids with people who are vaccinated. Okay? We, you can still get COVID.
1: <laughs> hey, get vaccinated. Get vaccinated because you're going to die. You're going to get COVID and die if you get vaccinated. And oh, by the way, You can still get COVID if you're vaccinated, but get vaccinated and make sure your kids are only hanging around with kids that are vaccinated and your kids can give them COVID and those kids can give your kid COVID, but make sure you vaccinate. This is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Although we're not telling you we're talking much about it, but vaccinated people are going to give it to you too. Just as many, in fact, in many cases, more cases. Are coming up of repeat COVID-19 disease of those who have been vaccinated. They're not even trying to hide the facts now, which in my opinion, it makes us even worse because what it means, they know they're not telling us the truth, but with total abandonment from their responsibility, to keep the American populace informed, give us evidence, give us facts. Despite that, they're not telling us what's really going on. They are towing the party line, and the party line says, force everybody, even our babies, to get these mRNA vaccines. What's really going on? Do you think we'll ever know for a fact What's really happening? What their purpose or purposes really are? I don't know if we ever will. Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Julie, hey, guess what day it is. Oh, come on.
0: I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie,
1: guess what today is.
3: It's
0: hump day. woo
3: Ronnie, how happy are folks who save hundreds of dollars switching to Geico? I'd say happier than a camel on
0: Wednesday. Pump day! Get happy. Get Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. I'm famous chef Tony Magoni, owner of Tony Magoni Steakhouse. And when people ask me where I get my award-winning meat from, it's from one place, Meaty Bits. No matter what you need, be it a smoked pig, a goat by sunset, or a ten-foot alligator in a salty brine, hmm Meaty Bits will get it to you fast with a smile and completely without judgment. So, if it's good enough for Tony Magoni's steakhouse, why not be good enough for Joe Public's homehouse? Mm, yeah. Get in touch with Meaty Bits and tell them Tony sent you. Meaty Bits, if it ever was alive, they can get it to you dead. Mmm. New Dunkin' Refreshers. Vibrant fruit flavors like strawberry dragon fruit and peach passion fruit. B vitamins and energy from green tea. All under 200 calories. Order ahead via the Dunkin' app for contactless way to order, pay, and pick up in the drive-thru. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.
1: kind of music. I mean, you could, as a DJ, you'd get on the microphone and you would say, hey, baby, how you doing? <laughs> Poppo was a rolling stone. Temptations. They were the real deal. Lots of times it just makes my head clearer if I just go back and grab some of those songs from the late 60s and the early 70s, where everybody understood the words to the songs. And the words to every song meant something. I don't know about that one. Papa was a rolling stone. I know what they were saying was dad was never around or seldom around. He was always rolling down the hill going somewhere else. What does that have to do with Joe Biden? (laughs) I have no idea. And speaking of Uncle Joe, I'm sitting looking at my computer screen at a picture of him. And behind him is a window. And, of course, it's supposed to be somewhere in the White House. I'm looking at it, and it's one of those green screen pictures of him sitting in front of a window. And it's not the White House looking out the window of the Oval Office. Through many, many years, we all see presidents and what's outside their particular section of the White House. Anyway, Joe's got a frown on his face, and why is that? It's because new polling numbers came out yesterday. I won't go into the deep dive for you. I'll just tell you this. Only 44% of Americans believe that Joe is doing an okay job. 44%. Other polls show him in the 30s. 46%, and 51% had been saying Going up, started at 44, 46, then 51 disapprove of him. Now, 54% of the American people say he's doing a bad job. I wonder if Jill explains the poll breakdowns to the president. I honestly don't think he, uh, he can understand in large part exactly what's going on. If he did, folks, he'd make some changes. I don't think Joe Biden's stupid. I think he's just lived in the shell of thuggery, far-left liberalism thuggery, so many years that he doesn't even try to understand anything anybody says that may not be along the lines of what he believes. It just totally dismisses him. And I'm open for your opinion if it's different. By the way, you can call here anytime you want to. Toll free, 866 one 378 7884 that's 1-866-37-TRUTH. I'd love to have your opinion if it's different from mine. So yesterday, Miss Jen Psaki, in her daily White House briefing, she was asked about this voter reform bill that we alluded to in the very beginning of the show today because of what is in that voter reform bill is what it's called, but it's not about reforming anything. It's about the federal government stepping in and taking over 100% control of the voter process. And somebody made a mistake in the press briefing room to tell Saki that there's wide-ranging belief among the populace today, and especially among mainstream media, that this voter bill, this voter reform bill they're calling it, is a train wreck.
3: Go ahead. Thank you, Jen. I have, I have questions about voting rights and also about political appointments. Um, on voting rights, the midterm elections are 10 months away. Does the pre- is the president concerned that the window is closing to pass legislation that could have an impact on how people vote in the midterm elections? I'm not going to make a prediction of that. Uh, what I will say and what the president will talk about uh, in his speech on Thursday is also that, um, you know, people came out, the American public came out in record numbers uh, last November and participated in our democracy. And we shouldn't underestimate uh, the role of the uh, movement and grassroots movement of the public to have their voices heard. Uh, but he absolutely feels that getting voting rights done is fundamental. It's essential. Uh, he is going to work uh, in close lockstep with leader Schumer and others in Congress to get this done. Uh, but I'm not going to make a prediction at this point on the timeline. It's obviously a first priority for them in the Senate.
1: And, um, that same reporter, I think it was in another segment. He asked her, well, a lot of people are saying that Joe Biden's handling of the COVID 19 pandemic and also legislation that's pending before the U.S. Senate is a train wreck. And the reporter asked Saki, Do you agree with that? And she said, Nope, that was it. There's no doubt in my mind it is a train wreck, and Americans are seeing it. Thank God. That we have a segment of media today that are still tied to the facts, that want to give people the truth and not just partisan spin or some political narrative that they embrace for personal reasons. Personal reasons are never supposed to be a part of the decision making process of any one of the 535 members of the United States Congress, that every one of them took an oath when they became. Uh, in that particular office, either in the House of Representatives or the U.S. Senate, and their oath was to the people of the United States and the people they represent, those who voted for them to go and serve in Washington, D.C. Personal preference is supposed to be checked at the airport when they fly into town. It's not to be used in their work for us. It's the people's Congress. It's the people's nation. It's the people's government. And yes, each one of those 535, they have a vote in this whole thing, but their vote is not supposed to overcome the votes of the people that they represent. It's supposed to be the same thing. After all, they're sent there to represent us. Why don't they represent us? You haven't heard much about this cry of late to defund the police. When the obvious is out there, it's been out there, I guess, since uh, since Obama served his first term, when um, he and his administration and others in his administration, especially in law enforcement, they began to just ease back on the enforcement of a bunch of laws that they disagreed with. Do you realize and? That environment, that political thuggery, hackery, stories being told, cries going out there, demonstrations burning down cities and buildings and doing all of that stuff in the name of police, evil police, police brutality, police racism, all of those things. It's all been done in that name. Did you know in the middle of that, 346 police officers were shot in the line of duty? during 2021 130 officers were shot in ambush style attacks and the fraternal order of, of police they show that those attacks those ambush style attacks went up 115% from 2020 president of that union patrick yoes said as we have said before the re- the recent erosion of respect for law enforcement and anti-police rhetoric has fueled more aggression towards police officers than what has been seen in previous years. I mean, what else could have happened? January 4th, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki used a tweet to boast of the executive gun controls that President Biden instituted in 2020 to stop gun violence. The tweet did not mention the number of officers who were shot nor did it mention the 12 Democrat-run cities that broke their annual homicide records last year. What cities are those? Well, listen, Albuquerque, Austin, Baton Rouge, Columbus, Ohio, Indianapolis, Louisville, Kentucky, Philadelphia, Portland, Oregon, Rochester, New York, St. Paul, Minnesota, Toledo, Ohio, and Tucson, Arizona. Every one of those cities has a Democrat administration running that city. Do you see a little relationship to all of this that's going on? Do you see the absolute, not ignoring the rule of law anymore, turning and running the other way, 180 degrees away from enforcing the laws of the land that are enacted that are voted on by the people's representatives and then signed into law by those mayors and those city councils. And they're, they're, they're not making any excuses whatsoever. Did you hear about Manhattan's new district attorney? Just elected. A district attorney who's an anti-cop guy. He, You can't make this up. Alvin Bragg is his name. He ordered his prosecutors to stop seeking prison sentences for the hordes of criminals and to downgrade felony charges in cases including armed robberies and drug dealing? To downgrade them? That's according to a set of progressive policies made public yesterday. In his first memo sent to staff on Monday, D.A. Bragg said his office will not seek a carceral sentence. In other words, not seek to put anybody in jail except with homicides and a handful of other cases, including domestic violence, felonies, a few sex crimes, and public corruption. He said this, this rule may be accepted only in extraordinary circumstances based on a holistic analysis of the fact. What the heck does a DA have a right or even Think about needing to look at anything in a holistic analysis of the facts. Folks, they're supposed to consider facts, period. Facts, and you stick it up against the law of that particular entity, which is Manhattan. You stick it up there, and if they broke that law, there's no holistic analysis allowed. Follow the law, Mr. District Attorney, and nothing else. He said assistant district attorneys must also now keep in mind the impacts of incarceration, including whether it really does increase public safety, potential future barriers to convicts involving housing and employment, the financial cost of prison, and the racial disparities over who gets time. Bragg instructed. I got a message for Mr. District Attorney. I've got a message for... Senator Bernie Sanders, Vice President Kamala Harris, Representative Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, all of the people in law enforcement and in legislative work in our nation. Every one of the things that he just mentioned here and have been and are being mentioned by some of these lawmakers I just mentioned their names can be stopped If we will do one thing and do it consistently, enforce the law. Well, how's that going to stop a cop from having a racial perspective and because of that, zeroing in on the skin color of somebody and treat them differently from somebody that's of a different skin color? There is one way to stop it all, folks, one way will stop every bit of it. We won't have to have these politically kept correct, oh, we don't want to hurt their feelings. We don't want to hurt their lives down forward because we put them in jail. Why did we put them in jail? Because they broke the law. Do we have to just beat them over the head to make them understand? And I know, I said beat them over the head. That may mean that I'm a white supremacist. I don't know. I used that, that was just, an example, folks. It was a rhetorical statement. I didn't mean it. The way to stop all of this and not have to worry with it, stop breaking the law. Stop committing felony acts. Stop robberies. Stop theft. Stop stealing. Stop all of the criminality that is just so pervasive, especially in all these big Democrat-controlled cities. And you have Alvin Bragg, the new district attorney of New York, and he said this, I'm retraining our assistant district attorneys, and they've got to keep in mind the impacts of jail, including whether it really does increase public safety. Come on, man. Do you really expect, are you a law enforcement guy? Are you an attorney? Are you a purveyor of legality? Did you go to law school? You don't think that putting somebody and making them be responsible for the laws they break is going to increase public safety? Let me just tell you what I heard a long time ago. Somebody say, when they were, a, they were an anti-death sentence. And the people on the other side, they maintained, they were then and they are now maintaining, that that's not going to stop anybody else from killing anybody. It's not a d- deterrent to put somebody to death for committing a murder. It's not going to stop somebody else from killing. If they're killers, they're going to kill What's the old song? Say it's not an old song. Haters gonna hate, cheaters gonna cheat, liars gonna lie, killers gonna kill. Well, that's one way of looking at it, but here's the way you should look at law enforcement. Everybody in it and every American should also look at it this way. You break a law, and the penalties that are embedded in that law are incarceration or even the death penalty. What's going to happen if those laws are enforced? If you're in jail, you're not going to commit a felony because you're in jail. That will stop. That will increase public safety and stop lawlessness, at least by that one person. Somebody may not, who was thinking about killing somebody, might not do it. A deterrent would be, if they look at how horrible it is to go through a life with that death sentence hanging over your head for decades, and that's typically how long it takes to, from a, uh, a death sentence to get executed. But you know what it will do? It'll stop one person from killing anybody else. That's not humane. Tell me where you got that from. Who is the arbiter of being Humane. Who controls what that means, and who categorizes what's humane and what's inhumane? We have a handbook. We have a group of facts that are given to us on which we base our law enforcement decisions, and that should be the only thing on which we base those decisions. What is that? Well, on the national level, it's the United States Constitution, And it includes all of the laws that are passed by the only entity in the United States that has authority to do it. That's the United States Constitution that dictates Congress. Our legislators have to make all our laws. And then there are law enforcement officers when they swear and give their oath to the entities they serve and the people they serve to enforce the laws. You have no other option. Mr. Bragg, and your assistant DAs have no other legal option. If you continue to go down the road where you just arbitrarily choose which laws we're going to enforce, which ones we're going to leave alone, it will only get worse. It will only get worse. There will be more lawlessness. There will be more murders, more violent crime. If you don't stop it, And the only way you're going to stop it and deter anybody from repeating it is to put them behind bars if they're not going to comply, period. Folks, people don't just go commit crimes because it's just something they do. They choose to break the law. It's almost like lying, but it's just lying to another degree. When you were a kid, you talked about, oh, you know, it wasn't a real lie. It was just a little white lie. You know, it's kind of a uh, a lie minor as compared to a lie major. You know what I mean? You're standing in the den, and your wife's in the kitchen. The phone rings, and she answers it, and it's somebody calling for you. And she puts her hand over the the receiver and whispers across the room from the kitchen, you're in the den, she'll say, Hey, it's Joe. And you go, no, 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 I don't want to talk to him. Tell him I'm not here. And so she tells Joe, well, I'm sorry, he's not here. Do you want me to call, have him call you? And hangs up, and then she looks at you and gets red-faced and say, why did you tell me to lie? And you say, well, it what it was a little white lie. I wasn't right there, here. You were standing over in the kitchen. I was in the den, so technically... That wasn't a lie. If you want to dumb down the truth to that, don't expect the results to be any different. Folks, since Genesis 8 and 23, (laughs) anything you do has a cause and a result from it. Your cause is whatever you make it, your justification for doing it. The results are going to be being held for everything you do. Of course, that doesn't come from Genesis 8.23. What does is Noah talking to God, and God promised as long as there was earth, there was never going to be a flood, and three things were always going to be every day in nature. Always be light and dark. Always be hot and cold. Always will be summer and winter. And one other thing that we can impact, the only one of those things that we can't, uh that we can, God handles the other three, but we handle one thing. It's reap and sow, which means what you put in the ground, the seed you put in the ground, it comes out exactly what it is. If you put if you plant uh tomato seeds, you're gonna grow tomatoes. If you plant if you plant kumquat for kumquat trees, kumquats are gonna grow. Grow, but what District Attorney Bragg is talking about is these people will—they'll plant violence. They'll plant felony law breaking. What grows in their lives should be the results of what they do, not because somebody somewhere thinks that it may be a little bit unfair because they've been through so much. They grew up without a dad in the household, and therefore they didn't get the discipline taught to them that other people were taught. We've got to go light on them. No, 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 no. If kids are held accountable for the wrongs that they do and the penalties are severe enough that they will think twice before they ever do it again, they'll learn from that. Same thing holds true for these criminals, folks. They're not stupid people on the most part. They're people who have been getting away with breaking the rules for a long, long time. And because they haven't been held accountable, why should I stop doing what I want to do? Why do I want to do it? Well, that doesn't matter. If I want to do it, it's okay. I'm just going to go do it regardless of how it impacts anybody else. And by the way, how it impacts me. Wow. News this morning from the employment environment in the United States. And uh, it isn't really good news either. I've got that and a couple of other goodies that you want to make sure you hang around for. That's up next at TNN Live.
3: Hi, I'm Greg, owner and founder of Steel Frame Spots. Due to unusually short fingers, which are a characteristic of my family line, I was unable to play sports at the elite level I would have liked to. Instead, I invested my energy into getting you the lowest prices possible on athletic gear. Unlike the local sports teams, you can count on us every year. I fight every day to get you the best deals. I'll never drop the ball on prices, and that's because low prices and my customers' happiness are not affected by the short fingers mentioned earlier in the advertisement. Just remember, when the game's on the line, who do you count on? Steel frame spots. That, that's who. Uh, t- uh, check out our ad in the weekly nickel.
0: <laughs> Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks! Right! No,
2: it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry! Save the children! Save them! Stay back! I've got mace!
0: Ow! That went in my eyes! Quit moving! It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home.
4: Hi, I'm Jet Williams. Even though I never knew my father, Hank Williams, his legacy taught me the meaning of lending a helping hand. That's why I support the Orphan Foundation of America. OFA is committed to providing education, mentoring, and a workplace readiness for thousands of teens aging out of the foster care system. With the help of OFA's support programs, these young people can go to college and trade school, graduate, and make the leap from foster care to success. To learn how you can help, visit orphan.org.
1: Election cycles come and go. White House reporters come and go. The truth is a diamond because it's forever. TNN, the Truth News Network. Your jeweler today is Dan Newman. Let me ask a question. Why are so many people quitting jobs? Yeah, I'm talking about not a few hundred people, folks. I'm talking about millions An all-time high, four and a half million people quit their jobs in the month of November as cheap labor bubble burst continues. A record number of people quit their jobs in November. The numbers of quitting jobs rose to 4.53 million. That's according to the Labor Department's Job Openings and Labor Turnover Survey. That was a 9% increase from the prior month, the highest ever. The previous high had been set in September at 4.36 million. So, just think about that. In two months, just two months, almost 10 million people quit their jobs. Quits have been at historically elevated levels since passing 3.5 million in March of last year. On average, since the turn of the century, there were 2.7 million quits Per month, three percent of the total workforce quit in November, matching the record high hit in September. One, I, I had to dig into this. I mean, this just doesn't make sense to me. We get the reports, we have all these open jobs, and we have people that are looking for work, and then you have four and a half million people that just walked off the job in one month. Well, one of the factors driving the high level of quits is the confidence that workers have that they can find another job that will pay better or offer better working conditions. The total number of job openings in November was 10.5 million. That's a lot, but it was lower than the 11 million consensus forecast, down from 11.09 million in October. But it's extremely high historically. Speaking and well above the 6.88 million people out of work and looking for employment in November. The pre-pandemic 21st century average number of openings is 4.5 million. So the economy has twice as many available jobs as normal. You follow that that reasoning? It kind of makes sense, but it still leaves some question marks in my mind. While the development of a high level of quits has been labeled the Great Resignation. There is some evidence that a good part of what is driving this is the popping of the cheap labor bubble. The high-powered economy reduced level of immigration created during the Trump era is now forcing companies and entire sectors of the economy to unwind business models built around the idea that the supply of labor was nearly unlimited. Eliminating the need for employers to raise wages or improve conditions to expand payrolls. Now, employers are forced to go out. Novel idea. You got to go compete for workers. Wow, you mean you're going to have to pay them more? Well, maybe so to get them. Maybe you can get some more qualified people and cut the number of your workers because those workers you have can get the job done quicker and better. This theory can be seen in the elevated rate of hires in the month. The JOLTS report showed that there were 6.7 million people hired in the month. That suggests that many of the quitters were not people leaving the workforce, but people leaving to work and better jobs. A gauge of employment from the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta shows people who have switched jobs have seen wage growth of 4.3%, while those who have stayed at the same employer have seen wages grow by just 3.1%. So, I guess the storyline is, quitters are making more money. So, what areas are affected the most? Well, leisure and hospitality, one of the sectors most dependent upon cheap labor, have seen wage gains of 3.8% over the 12 months through November That's above the 3.7% overall. Trade and transportation workers have seen wages rise 3.9%. The quits level for leisure and hospitality topped a million in November for the first time ever. The rate was 6.4%. That's a full percentage point higher than the October number and the highest of all sectors of the economy. The subcategory of accommodations and food services saw the level rise to 6.9%. That's also a record. So it's interesting, folks. It seems like the corporations, the big the big employers, they're realizing that cheap labor to some degree is not going to be as available as it was. And so that means you're going to have to get into the workforce and compete now with better benefits higher pay to get those qualified people to come to work for you. Novel idea. You pay big money to get those college degrees from those Ivy League institutions. Maybe now you're going to find a job and it'll pay what you think and have been told you were worth all those four years you spent at these $250,000 a year tuition universities. We're going to keep our eye on the employment numbers. I think there are some things that we're not being told. And I'm not an economist. I'm not a labor statistics guy. So I can't just arbitrarily come up with something. I'm relying upon getting some data. We're watching that closely for you. So if you kept up with the latest legislative talk on Capitol Hill, Senator Joe Manchin, Democrat from West Virginia, he's in the epicenter of all of this even though he's a Democrat, he is a centrist, he's a moderate. And yesterday, he's being plummeted because of his stance on a bunch of legislation that is out there, and Democrats felt like they could ram it down the throats of Americans. But Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, both of them senators, Joe Manchin from West Virginia, Sinema from Arizona, they're towing the line in the middle. Well, yesterday, Manchin voiced some skepticism over the push by members of his party, to change the filibuster along party lines, warning that his preference is for any rules changes to be bipartisan. Being open to a rules change that would create a nuclear option, that's what it's called, getting rid of the filibuster. It's very, very difficult. It's a heavy lift. Manchin said that to reporters when he was asked about it. And in that, if it should happen, Democrats would, without any Republican support, Change the 60-vote legislative filibuster by themselves. I'm talking. I'm not agreeing to any of this, Manchin said. I want to talk and see all the options we have that are open. He added that it was his preference that any rule changes have Republican support. Novel idea. They call that bipartisanship. Not much of that going on in D.C. today. His comments came as, his compadre in the Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer vowed to force a vote on changing the rules by January 17th if Republicans block the voting rights legislation as they are expected to. In other words, Schumer's threatening to totally turn upside down a 200-year-old process in the government that he himself was against. He was very vociferous about in the past, about even contemplating doing away with the filibuster. As I said in my dear colleague earlier this week, I think that's a newsletter that he puts out among senators, if Republicans continue to hijack the rules of the chamber to stop action on something as critical as protecting our democracy, then the Senate will debate and consider changes to the rules on or before January seventeenth. That's Schumer yesterday. But to change the rules without GOP support, that's going to require total unity from all 50 members of the Senate Democrat caucus. That means both Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, they would have to vote for that, those changes. And they've warned for months they are supportive of the way it is right now. Manchin has long opposed using the nuclear option added on Tuesday that if Democrat senators go it alone to change the rule, it ends up coming back at you pretty hard. Now they used Democrats did the nuclear option to change the rules back in 2013 to confirm some executive nominees and lower level court nominees with a simple majority though. Manchin opposed using that option at the time. Republicans then used it to lower the threshold for Supreme Court nominees in 2017 and to cut the debate time needed for most nominees in 2019. There's growing support within the Senate Democrat Caucus to change the filibuster, which requires 60 votes to advance most legislation in the Senate. A group of senators, they tapped, they were tapped by Schumer. They've been in talks with Joe Manchin about rule changes And those negotiations are expected to continue this week. But let's go back, forget about the filibuster a second. Let's talk about Joe Biden's big mega spending bill that's being considered. Again, it's at a stalemate in the Senate. And I know all this is boring, folks. But we need to stay on top of what's going on, but not just what's going on. Because you can get 180-degree versions, no matter Which way you lean, you can get people that agree with you. You can get people that agree with the opposite view of what you're looking at. We need to get the facts. So again, yesterday, speaking to reporters, Manchin said he is not involved in any serious talks at this time about reviving Biden's sweeping climate and social spending bill. And he underscored the lack of progress on the president's signature domestic policy plan. I'm really not going to talk about Build Back Better anymore because I think I've been very clear on that. There's no negotiations going on at this time, Manchin said. He said he's more interested in working on legislation that has bipartisan support and again expressed his concerns about pushing legislation that further divides Democrats and Republicans. There's an awful lot of things he said, a lot of things that were very, I think, well-intended. And there was a lot of things that, was a pretty far reach, he explained. Our country's divided. I don't intend to do anything that divides our country any worse than it is right now. Instead, he says he wants whatever he can do to unite and bring people together. Isn't that interesting? Ted Cruz, and this just popped up right as we went on the air this morning. Listen to this. Ted Cruz predicts serious investigations of the Biden administration and suggests that there already are multiple grounds for the impeachment of Joe Biden. I'm very optimistic about 2022, Cruz said. I put the odds of the Republicans winning the House at 90 to 10. And it may be even higher than that now, he said. He said the GOP is less likely to take over the Senate, the upper chamber. And, of course, the lower chamber, the House of Representatives, that's the body that he is saying will be heavily Republican after the midterms. And that's where all articles of impeachment consideration must begin. I put our odds of taking the Senate back at 50-50, he said. I think it's going to be a really good year. But it's a bad map. He said having Republicans control the House is going to alter the political dynamics of D.C. If we take the House, which, as I said, is overwhelmingly likely, then I think we'll see serious investigations into the Biden administration. He was asked about the chances the GOP impeaching Biden. I do think there's a chance of that, he said. Whether it's justified or not, Democrats weaponized impeachment They used it for partisan purpose to go after Trump because they disagreed with him. And one of the real disadvantages of doing that is the more you weaponize it and turn it into a partisan cudgel, you know what's good for the goose is good for the gander. He noted that he warned during the impeachment proceedings against Trump that Democrats could expect the same thing with a Democrat president facing a GOP-controlled House of Representatives. Isn't that interesting? I don't believe that the I word has been mentioned that I can remember about Joe Biden yet. But folks, I mean, you begin with the, at the very beginning of it all, he flung the doors of the United States open to anybody that wants to come in. He authorized the secretary of department of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas to let anybody come across the border and to stop enforcing federal laws, which is a dereliction of duty. It's a violation of what a president and his oath of office committed to do. And folks, that alone, not my opinion, fact, that alone is impeachable. But he's got a whole lot more than just one thing that he needs to be held accountable for. That's it for the day, folks. Don't forget, tomorrow morning, Steve Baker, journalist, friend, he's caught up in some tough stuff about the January 6th thing last year. You heard him give us a tease today. He'll be with us at 9 o'clock in the morning. Till then, have a great day. Thank you so much for being a part of the Truth News Network family and sharing at TN Live. See ya.
2: Thinking back when we first met, I remember what you said. You said you never leave me. Yeah. I let My castle in the sand But now I'm reaching out again And I'm not letting go Till you Mold me, mold me Sometimes I feel so all alone mm-hmm. See, I gotta find my way back so I don't you shape me, make me, wash me whiter than the snow, I gotta find my way back home, master upon my knees. I pray I just want to be the clay mm, Put your arms around me yeah. Place my life in your hands Lord I know I'm just a man know you understand This time I'm not me, baptize me Wash me whiter than the snow I gotta find